0: Welcome to this episode of HBCU. This show is a platform to highlight all things HBCU. And joining me today on this episode are three highly successful and influential HBCU graduates. They have impacted so many lives and broken so many glass ceilings. First, we have G. Johnson, who attended Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi. Currently, she is the Senior Director at S&P Global Ratings. Next, we have Helen Dowdell, who attended the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Helen is the CEO of MUTW and executive officer at the DDA law firm. Last but certainly not least, we have Omarosa, who attended Howard University in Washington, D.C. Omarosa is currently the chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer for my company, the P3 Group, Inc. Ladies, Welcome to HBCU. I'm so glad to have you. Thank, Thank you.
1: you. Did, did you see my HBCU
0: wave? <laughs> the Homecoming Queen wave?
1: I was Miss Central State. Oh.
0: But, but oh, you went to so many HBCUs. <laughs> so who are you claiming today, oh?
1: <laughs> Southern University. I'm currently a first year law student at the Southern oh. University Law Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
0: Impressive. So look, Today we have so much beauty and brains on the panel. We have actually two lawyers. You sit in between two lawyers. Uh, Oh, I'm in good company. Absolutely. So, G, I'll I'll start with you. Tell us about your HBCU and your experience there and your journey to your current uh, success.
2: Okay. My HBCU is Jackson State University. Uh, I attended uh, as a math major. So I was a STEM uh, major. And uh, I... um, left Jackson State and went to the Ohio State University College of Law. So that's uh, how I ended up being an attorney. Uh, from there I um, leveraged the law degree and did a federal judicial clerkship for two years in bankruptcy and then used the bankruptcy experience in order to um, start my, uh, my uh, journey on Wall Street. And So I started as a structured finance analyst at s and Global is the name today. And I have uh, been at S&P where I've had many opportunities beyond just being an analyst. And currently I am an analytical manager for a team, the Global Fund Ratings team. It's a team of 15 people. We sit on three different continents, so it's very exciting to be able to have that type of uh, experience. And uh, we are responsible for rating about $5 trillion in assets, and um, we... um, we have, uh, we have 15, 15 people that rate $5.2 trillion in assets.
0: Whoa. That's impressive. Now, Omarosa. I don't know what, which, HBC we, we, <laughs> which HBCU we're going to start with, but you're going to have to tell us about all of them.
1: I think it's important because, to start from the beginning. <laughs> because, you know,
0: we don't want to leave nobody out.
1: <laughs> you know, first of all, it is such a pleasure to be on this discussion. You are another a twofer,
0: panel. like a twofer, a twofer one, a pofer.
1: <laughs> a <pofer. laughs> These ladies are remarkable, and it is an honor, truly, to meet both of you. But, Dee, I, um, I always wanted to go to an HBCU. And there are two in Ohio, Wilberforce, Ohio um, um, is one of the oldest, and Central State. And I was recruited to Central State University for volleyball as an athlete. I went there. I did four years. I did mention that the highlight of my career at Central State was becoming Miss Central State University. And um, as, as you probably know by now, I also wanted to go into television. And don't laugh at me, Dee, but I wanted to be a weather girl.
0: Really. <laughs> yes.
1: So my minor <laughs> was in um, was in um, Earth Sciences, but I got into Howard University for my master's and doctoral studies. After my first year at Howard, I went to work at the White House, my first time at the White House. And, you know, Howard University changes your lives. But fast forward to the pandemic. And of course, you know, I'm at Southern I also squeezed in a master's at Payne Theological, which is also in Mobile Force, which was my fourth
0: HBCU. Impressive, impressive. So Helen. (laughs) I know you had a different path to your HBCU.
3: I did. I really did. Um, and it's not because I wasn't exposed. I was very, uh, you know, exposed by my father. He attended HBCU and my aunts and uncles, back when it was AM and N, he attended uh, the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. He's an agricultural scientist. Um, we're farm family. So we were in rural area of the Delta, Mississippi, Mississippi Delta on the Arkansas side. So, um, I was exposed, uh, decided to go in another path for some technical reasons. I didn't get my packet in time for the school that I really, really wanted <laughs> to attend. So I ended up taking a different path, but it still led me back to our community. And I'm happy to have served and be a part of the HBCU community. Um, I was exposed to a lot of different things in our culture. I was able to attend when I was younger, uh, when my sister went to UAPB as well, during homecomings yeah. and oh, homecoming. things of that nature. But um, <laughs> And also my educational track um, also included me working engineering a device uh, like, you know, we've spoken about before in the traffic industry um, about 107 years after Garrett Morgan, from what I told. So uh, what I'm told. And before that, I was working in the legal field. Our family owns a a small boutique style law firm. Uh, I worked as an executive officer running the marketing division. So. very happy to do that, and now we're working in the traffic industry and, and breaking glass ceiling, so to speak, there.
0: Well, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, Howard, Jackson State, who have the best band?
1: Howard University, no question. <laughs> <laughs> this segment is over, and this message is brought to you by Al and Nunez. So, I'm assuming
0: y'all in that? No, yes. we're not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, we're not. The best HBCU band is the Sonic Boom of the South.
3: Well, they say to save the best for last. Obviously, UAPB has one of the most phenomenal bands in the South as well. So do you have to break
1: the, t- the tie? Who's got the best band?
0: So let me say this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Diplomacy
3: I've is had, on its so,
0: no, no, so I've had uh, UAPB have performed the P3 in the field at halftime. Really? Jackson State has formed the P3 in the field at halftime. All corn has done the P3 in the field at halftime, so it's a tie. <laughs> it's a tie. <laughs> but who has who have the best homecoming?
2: Oh man.
0: <sighs> well, I tell you what, talk to me about Jackson State homecoming, G. What is it like?
2: Oh, Jackson State's homecomings are the epitome of a family reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we celebrate not just the culture, but just the experiences that you had with that group of of people where you attended. You get the opportunity to see older alumni come back, and it's just, it's a real, um, um, I can't even describe it other than to say it's a family reunion. And sometimes I, I do flinch when people say, oh, you know what, well, it's like a, um, an HBC homecoming. Nothing is like an HBCU Amen. homecoming. Amen. It yeah. is, And it also has personalities that are very particular to that school. Right. And so I understand, let's say, uh, homecoming for all HBCUs, but the Jackson State experience is one. And that's why I say it's just it's really like a family reunion.
1: She's going to be surprised. I'm going to totally agree with you. I went to my first Jackson State homecoming this year, and it was was phenomenal. But I have to say that any one of the HBCU homecomings that you go have certain things that are in common. You're going to see classmates you haven't seen in a long time. If you're lucky, you see some professors that you adore. Mm -hmm. And you get to party in a way that you can at a PWI. (laughs) So I haven't missed a Howard University homecoming until, of course, the pandemic. I always go back to Central States homecoming because um, we have a Queens reunion. We take the HBCU queen thing quite seriously there. But I will say that um, this last homecoming was kind of, it was kind of very chill and mellow. And it did remind me of what's so important, and that's really the history of the right. institution, so we really focused on getting back to the roots of what the institution is about, the is- historical nature, and we raise money and we serve the community.
0: Helen?
3: Absolutely, I agree with both of these ladies here on the panel with me. Um, HBCUs provide an exceptional, unique experience, and it, it really provides what you're missing in your life when it comes to like coming home. Um, yeah. It reminds me like church on Easter Sunday. <laughs> you know, you're preparing, you're getting ready, you're, yeah. you're presenting to be your best. You know, you may skip a few Sundays in, in between, but when you get there, it's just like coming home. So I agree. Uh, networking, mm-hmm. uh, relationships, getting to come back and, to, and as a business owner to pour into a community. Um, and it's also a sense of pride. You guys agree? Yeah, certainly. Like you know, it's a, right. it's sustained. It's like we uh, carry so much, um, so much throughout our years. You know, and b- to be able to take that in a, in a not necessarily a platform, but in a way where we can share it uh, in a u- unique uh, way is is really beautiful.
0: Well, one of the things we want to highlight on on the show is the fact that you all have graduated from HBCUs, and you've gone on to do really um, magnificent things in your lives, and we want to highlight the fact that a lot of times when people of color are making decisions, uh, HBCUs offer uh, a unique opportunity for you to, to find a place to really find yourself and get grounded, mm-hmm. uh, to, to be in an in a atmosphere of community and camaraderie that you, you can't get at larger uh, you know, majority institutions. But I want to highlight each of your, you know, current careers. And so, G, you're currently a senior director at a global credit rating agency, S&P Global Ratings. Uh, talk to me about what you do there on a daily basis.
2: Um, in my current role, I am a manager of a team. Uh, what we do as a company is we provide credit ratings. And so, when people ask me uh, well, what exactly is that, I liken it to a FICO score. We put for lack of a better term, a FICO score on companies. Mm -hmm. And we do that on a global basis. Mm -hmm. Um, We provide opinions. So they are opinions generally for debt of our uh, assessment of an issuer's willingness and ability to repay their debt in full and on time, which is akin to... um, a VICO score. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also do a lot of outreach, and so when I say outreach, I mean we're talking to the market because we understand that the publications that we provide are uh, giving critical information for investors to be able to make decisions. And we do a lot of public speaking, and so you know we're we're on the road in order to make sure that not only we are, are visible so people can ask us questions, but that we can give those opinions and have real time conversations.
0: Right now, in addition to your a uh, full-time job. You serve as the chair of Jackson State Development Foundation, mm. uh, which serves a, a critical role in, in helping uh, provide educational opportunities for uh, people of color and supporting the, the university goals and objectives. Talk to me about uh, that position.
2: Uh, that position came about, um, I was doing, I felt like it was a time in my life to do some estate planning and so I went to my attorney and we were talking through some different things and I decided I wanted to give uh, um, a large endowment from my estate to Jackson State and from there my name was uh, provided to the board at that time and we had several conversations and I felt like I was at a point in my life where I could give back to Jackson State in such a substantial manner and so uh, I've been on the board since 2017 and this past July I was uh, appointed as the board chair. And what we do is we provide governance and oversight over our uh, endowment, which is almost at 40 million dollars. We work very closely with the university to make sure that the strategic plan of the foundation is aligned with the strategic plan of the university. And ultimately what we're trying to do is to make sure that children have the opportunity or, or students have the opportunity to complete their education without the financial burden stopping them from going.
0: Absolutely. Uh-huh. So, oh, you serve as the chief diversity, <laughs> equity, and inclusion officer at one of the best places to work in America, oh, yeah. the P three Group. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and of course, you you wear so many different hats. You are producer, I mean, <laughs> in, in your own rights, but also for, for for me as well. But you know, you, you do a, you wear a lot of hats for us. But talk about your role at the P three Group, and
1: you know, I I think that it's it's important to tell folks about my journey to the p3 group my background is in real estate um, which was highlighted on the many shows that I've done in my career but um, the work that you're doing is so aligned to what I'm doing when I left the White House and I oversaw historically black colleges and universities Mm. and I had an opportunity to interact with all the HBCU presidents but also um, looking at infrastructure in this country and the impact on uh, the african-american community and inner city communities was also a very close passion project for me so then enter d brown ceo and it's a marriage of all the things that i love to do from the development the real estate but also your commitment to historically black colleges and universities one of the things that d does that um, made me want to you know be a part of this wonderful organization is that he gives back in ways that people don't think about. There's an initiative he has called 10 Grand for Your Band. And D, do I, I, don't, I don't know the history of it, but it's one of my favorite things that we do <laughs> at P3. What's the history of it,
0: though? I came up with, with an idea of around 3.30 a.m. and <laughs> 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 I said, let me try this. <laughs> and so, the, so Jackson State was the first band right. I tried it on. We contacted the band director and said, hey, if, if I give you $10,000 directly to the band, will yeah. you perform? At halftime, P three in the middle of the field. He said, "When, when can I get a check?" <laughs> <laughs> but people often forget about the
1: the you know well, financial that,
0: need. Well, you know, that's the interesting part about the whole concept. The band is the most critical part mm-hmm. of the HBCU okay. experience, right? Without the band, the H the HBCU experience would not be the same. The band is the band. soul. Yeah, it's the soul. It's the soul of, the, the, soul school. of the school, yeah. mm-hmm. but. It's it's always underfunded, Mm -hmm. right? They always Mm -hmm. have limited resources. And so I saw the 10 grand for your band as an opportunity for us to partner with bands Mm -hmm. and and promote the P3 uh, brand, but also provide an infusion of capital Mm -hmm. uh, to an area that's vital to the HBCU experience. So that's kind of how it all came together. And everybody
1: gets so excited about it, but particularly the students. Another initiative that he does, and, and I think it's really key for all of us if you've lived in the dorms on the different campuses, um, P3 builds dorms that are modern and efficient, that mm-hmm. students can have a good experience while they're on campus. Yeah, you know, I could tell stories about being at central and not having the best heat or lights or whatever, but right. you know, that was part of the experience. Deep brown has said that doesn't have to be a part of the experience. Mm-hmm. That we can provide quality housing mm-hmm. in academic settings on these HBCUs that will have students saying, I really enjoyed right my time on this campus and I had great living accommodations so he's made a commitment to do that but one of the things that I think is most needed and I won't take all the time but I could talk about P3 all day is really the representation in Mm -hmm. the space of development and in real estate, um, and construction, Mm -hmm. less than 3% of those working in construction are African American. Mm -hmm. Um, P3 has made a commitment to increase those numbers, not just kind of in a a, a gesture, but in a sustainable way to make sure that we have an opportunity to impact building and developing in this country. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, it's a no-brainer. But you know, when you work with with D3C, <laughs> with, D3 C, with I, I said D3, that's, that's actually your <laughs> <one. laughs> When you work with d Brown CEO, it's something that's constant throughout the work that we do. So I could go on and on, but I won't hog the time. But one of the um, the greatest honors for me is to working for someone who has a vision for making an impact in this country in ways that people haven't thought about, including sitting on this panel on a program that. I have never seen a program dedicated to telling the stories of historically black colleges. Have you? No. Have you? Never. Neither have I. So, this in and of itself is
0: historical. Thank you. So, thank you. Now, Helen, you are an inventor.
1: Absolutely.
3: And I want
0: you to talk about your invention for us.
3: Thank you, I, I'm just, I'm so moved by Omarosa right now, I'm trying not to get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> My, My twin sister. <laughs> 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 I'm hearing her speak, it's so beautiful, speaking about infrastructure and opportunities, because right. it's essential, exposure is essential, right. infrastructure improvements are essential, so what you're doing here is mm-hmm. transformational and it's groundbreaking. Thank you. Uh, we always come into companies, uh, I always say this, because we've given back to HBCUs in an exceptional way, scholarships, and mm-hmm. when I was in school I was non my parents you only need one one incident to happen that can change your financial future for most most families who come from areas who have compromised socioeconomics and I was that you know I had working parents they worked very hard and but we still had gaps that things re, lack of resources right. so what you're doing is so phenomenal some of the best talent in the world, the brightest minds in the world come from some of the most rural places. Some are HBCUs. Um, they go to companies, and, and we advance companies in a way like no other. Right. No, no one else can do it. If you come from the HBCU, you get in at a new position at your job. I can almost assure you that talent is going to knock that opportunity out of the ballpark. Oh, yeah. So, what you're presenting is an opportunity for us to expand, but yes, my company. <laughs> <laughs> I invented, I uh, ended up working in the traffic industry after, this is very simple, I witnessed a accident of someone who was in a wheelchair uh, trying to cross in an intersection. Uh, when I say witnessed, I uh, read the newspaper and it was right around the co- corner from my law firm, and um, anyway, I was just unsettled about it. Long story short, and I, I had an idea, I feel like it was divinity, it was divine, sketched out this idea, um, Bumped into a young girl that was an engineering student at a, a Staples or something like that who was working for the city engineering department. I said, hey, I'm going to give you this idea because I feel like people in wheelchairs should not be uh, compromised in this way. And we should be protecting the most vulnerable part of our country. People with disabilities mm-hmm. are the number one minority group in the world. Um, and found out some other information uh, through that track that. Caused me to uh, engineer a device that uh, integrates into our existing traffic signal that will save the lives of people with disabilities and give them an opportunity c- to cross in crosswalks. We work land, sea, and air, so we work with FAA, uh, we wor- we're having some framework that we're putting together for a uh, siege to make places accessible. That's something that we don't necessarily think about in our everyday life and something mm-hmm. that we call an oversight. So even though I'm not an engineer, I engineered a device and what we talk about with my company as far as our STEM and working with HBCUs, small change, big impact. Don't be intimidated by not having an opportunity and confusing that with not having the talent to create and make a contribution. So you take that small change and if it's impactful, you can turn that into something like I end up, you know, starting, a, uh, you know, creating a traffic signal and then signage for accessibility. That's, that's something that we needed in our country. If you think about ADA, it was passed back in 1990 um, and if you think about traffic intersections and usually when I talk to people they start looking at traffic intersections completely different. They're like, Helen, every time I <laughs> drive to a traffic <laughs> signal, I cannot stop thinking about what happened. But we lose about 528 wheelchair users per year uh, fatally in crosswalks. 70% of accidents occur in intersections. And when Garrett Morgan which, you know, you guys know the story. He created the gas mag, but mask, but he also in, uh, created the traffic signal. Mm-hmm. And it was after there was a collision with a horse, got, ho- horse-drawn carriage and a motor vehicle. And so now that we have people included in this population, crosswalks were invented 70 years ago. And at that time, wheelchair users were pretty much confined to their homes. Now with science and technology and medicine, uh, people are living independently. And then we found out as well that our product uh, protected the blind pedestrians. They were like, hey, you know what, we're being hit Too, because, you know, we have this countdown, but it's just telling us how much time we have to cross. It really gives the power back to the person that's at the crosswalk. um, And also land, sea, air, airlines, um, crossing areas. If you think about an able-bodied person, when we go to the grocery store, we go and we park, we walk across the street, an independent person who's a wheeldestrian—that's a word that we've coined. We adapted that word from the word pedestrian. It's, it, we remember taking Latin in school; it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Petty means is Latin for foot, so pedestrian is not adapt, an adaptable term for a wheelchair user. So mm. we coined the word wheeldestrian to define what a wheelchair user is. Um, and we also are integrating the international symbol for accessibility, that's synonymous with um, with inclusion. our signage to make sure that we have a world that's inclusive it's not just about here in the United States but it's about internationally so um, that's what that's what we do at mobility unlimited technology (laughs) worldwide
0: yeah very very uh, awesome and I you know people don't think about you know i would never thought about it until uh, you and I talked. that you know and you see it all the time you know individuals in wheelchairs out crossing the streets and you know they're mobile now where like you said historically you thought about someone being in a wheelchair being confined or mm-hmm. only moving when they had someone you know, pushing them around but right. now with the electric wheelchair and all of that they're out and so that's very good technology that you have uh, brought oh, to the market yeah. so great Brilliant. but mm-hmm. I want to pivot back to uh, HBCU for just a minute <laughs> 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 I want to hear just really um, about when you were on the yard you know that's what you know at HBCUs is all about the yard right so what was it like on the yard <laughs> G when you were at Jackson State University
2: uh, it was magnificent um, you can tell that one of my greatest experiences uh, were those four years at Jackson State um, It it's not just about homecoming it's about again it's about that family it's the camaraderie of everything um, uh, one of the things that I do remember about Jackson State is, is you know, my parents went to Jackson State as well. And they mm-hmm. went in the 60s when uh, the civil rights movements were very turbulent, particularly in the state of Mississippi. And so mm-hmm. I'd heard all the stories. And by the time I got to Jackson State, you know, many years later, uh, we had uh, a challenge of inequitable funding, which we, we spoke about. And so one of the things that they call for is for students to come and do a sit-in. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. very... Avid reader of the civil rights, the modern civil rights movement, and I just thought that was my opportunity to lend myself to an inequity, an, 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 an inequity. Mm-hmm. and so it ended up being it was a case, a legal case called the Ayers case, mm-hmm. and the case went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, the HBCUs in Mississippi won that case, and there was to be allocation of dollars from the legislature in order to try and uh, um, to rectify some of that historical uh, funding. The thing I like the most about it, to be able to connect what happened at Jackson State when I attended, versus today is that some of that money ended up coming into the foundation and I ended up being on the board at a time when we had to put policies in place to provide proper governance over it. So just the full circle, full circle moment for me. Wow.
0: Omarosa, we're going to come back to your answer on part two, Uh, but this (laughs) is the end of part one (laughs) with G, Omarosa, and Helen. You tune in next week and we'll be back with these three lovely ladies. And uh, thank you for watching. Without you, there's no me.